White Sox fans, and welcome into another edition of the Sox on Tap podcast presented by On Tap Sportsnet. It's Johnny Nani here alongside NWI Steve, unfortunately discussing another tragic White Sox game. Steve, I hate meeting like this. This sucks. Jonathan, I like things much better when we meet with positive vibes, but right now there's not a whole lot to be positive about <laughs> it, it's dude it's it's rough especially when you see a game that was fairly cleanly played last night um i think it was a solid game overall and you and tony got to talk about a win here on the socks on tap post game show and then you go out and you see the circus the circus shows up and it was a game that the royals are like trying to give you and you'll get into that in a little bit here and you found your opportunity and then it's almost over before it starts because you know your starting pitcher is not ready to go um and, and they cook him for runs in the first inning, and then it leads to questions here. The, the rest of the game, they keep piling on, piling on, and it leads to questions here, is, you know, so-and-so cooked? We're going to get into that, but I'll answer just preemptively right now. I'm cooked. You're cooked. Listeners tuning in, you're all cooked. If you sat through White Sox baseball this year, Jason Betty and Steve Stone are cooked. Um, Lance Lynn is cooked, and the White Sox are cooked. That's where we stand right now, Steve. It's sad. I mean, it's a very sad state of affairs, um, you know, with as overcooked as everybody is surrounding this organization right now. I don't know how much longer the restaurant is going to be able to stay in business. <laughs> We're going to burn down here pretty soon. Um, so hopefully we got some good insurance. The, I mean, the, I mean the, the reviews are just not great at the moment here. <laughs> oh, not great. Not great, Bob, at all. All right. Uh, before we get into it, a little housekeeping here. You know the drill. On Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. That's where you need to subscribe so you don't miss any of these shows. Make sure you press the like button on them we appreciate that and jump in the comment section uh we'd love to have you air your grievances about um the white Sox. every day can be december 23rd here um think of the Sox on tap post game show comment section as that so um and again follow social media at Sox on tap and at on tap sports net that's out of the way it was lance linday steve and this is going to be a big topic for us um I know there's some other things offensively that happened even before this, but Lance is the topic here and partially the inspiration for the episode title, unfortunately, because it's becoming very concerning. Uh, 7.51 ERA is now highest among all starters uh, in the majors after his rough outing today. Um, it's been nothing but rough outings, maybe uh, except for that one kind of one off showing that was more of the outlier against Tampa Bay. Um Five innings, nine hits, seven runs, all of them earned. Uh, two walks, four strikeouts, two home runs allowed tonight. This is bad, okay? Nothing is working. Um, he's going out there consistently. He's not able to locate any of his pitches mm -hmm. with consistency. Um, he's not getting ahead in counts with regularity. And even when he is getting ahead in counts, He's just struggling to put guys away. I know he had that that couple start stretch. You know, it started out okay um, the first three, four innings in Toronto. And then he had the start against Tampa that you mentioned here earlier. And you're thinking, okay, maybe he's getting back to being Lance. And then ever since then, it's just like he's reverted back to this guy that can't put anybody away. And I've talked a lot about the pitch mix and everything else that, that is going on right now. It's just nothing is working here um one of the concerns i had coming into the season was the decline in velocity and we're seeing that right now he's not 95 96 anymore and a lot of guys when they go through the entirety of their career as relative power pitchers and you don't have 95 96 anymore a lot of guys don't know how to pitch 
91, 92, 93, because there's a big variance there. People might look at that and say, it's only two miles an hour, but two miles an hour difference at the major league level, that's a lot. And if you don't know how to manipulate the baseball, if you are not precise with your command and your control, bad things can happen. And that's what we're seeing with Lance Lynn right now. Right. And it's amplified too when you're very fastball heavy pitcher and even the other ones, the cutter, right. The, um, that is all, you know, of the fastball ilk. Um, and he's all those problems that you just mentioned there, the location, uh, leaving too many pitches over the plate. I think that's a common theme, uh, among all White Sox pitchers, um, not just Lance Lynn. However, that, especially creeps up on him uh, when you're talking about um, just the style of pitcher that he is there. Um, so it, it's, you know, it raises a question you're looking at. I saw a tweet. I, I forgive me. I forget exactly who it was. Um, but if you made this tweet, um, I, I saw it and I wanted to bring it up here on the show and Lance is dangerously close to the numbers that Dallas Keuchel um, posted before he got DF8, um, eight starts in and the area is just slightly better, but that's like seven, eight, eight to seven, five, one through eight starts. That's, cause for concern here uh and guess what there's not even help on the way because davis martin uh who would be your you know who was your fill-in guy last year until johnny cueto came came around um he's on the il in charlotte with forearm strain we all know what that means yeah that's not what you want to hear um there's a lot of talk about you know could davis martin potentially be the number five starter coming into the season most likely looking as that swing guy that number six man in the rotation first guy up from charlotte now if he's not even an option i don't know what the hell you do here at this point i mean you know sean burke i i guess maybe but you know that's not inspiring a whole lot of confidence here and to your point about uh the comparison between lance and dickhead i mean diamond dallas keichel um the big difference and why i don't think there's as much backlash against lynn right now is because in the post games you know, Keiko was always very quick to point the finger and not the thumb. Lance is is very quick to call himself out and say, "I'm pitching like I'm pitching like shit right now. I've been dog shit." You know, that's all fine and good and everything, but at some point you've got to turn around, you've got to start executing, and you've got to start being a better pitcher. Because every five days, if I just keep hearing, "Oh, I'm dog shit. I need to be better. I'm not putting the team in a position to win," guess what? After a while, it just falls on deaf ears. Right. I agree 100%. And he had that interview after the Toronto start um, with foul territory. And I thought those comments there, um, when you go and see that outing like against the race, you kind of thought maybe, like you had said earlier, maybe just a little bit starting to get back to a little bit of the old lands, at least inching towards that, making progress. And then it feels like it's all just erased when you go and see an outing like this today. So um, rough day for Lance on the bump. But the guy on the other side definitely wasn't a stellar, uh, you know, outing for him either. Did take us through uh, what, what the White Sox squandered today? You know, you, you look at that first inning. Tim Tim leads off the game with a walk. Um, you know, Andrew Benatendi gets a, gets another walk in there. So right away, you know, you're you're feeling pretty good. You're like, okay, you know, the offense putting together some good plate appearances at right least now. Eight pitches, right? Right. Start right. All balls. Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time the White Sox ever did that? I mean, you got to go back, what, to the 1940s to, to see something like that. So you're thinking, OK, you know what? We're going to see some good approach at, at the play here today. And uh, old nemesis, Brad Keller, they're going to they're going to get him. And then they squander that opportunity. And then what happens, as so often does, you don't take advantage of a team. The next half inning, they go and they take advantage of you. 
And we've seen that far too often with this group here in the 2023 season. And then that second inning, they go, they load the bases with nobody out and they only score a run because of a double play. You had a chance to get right back into that game right there. Brad Keller was begging you. Yep. He was begging you to fucking light his ass off because he wasn't throwing strikes and you couldn't get the goddamn job done. It's make me sick, Steve. Make me sick. It, it really, all the wasted opportunities. There were a couple of other innings too uh, in which they left two men on base. Um, it, it looked like they didn't want to, they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to be at the plate. Hans Alberto drove in the lone run. Um, and when Benetti at that point, I believe he said something, oh, well, the White Sox, you know, chip into that. Kansas City lead. And it's like, did anyone have any confidence that they were going to actually, you know, extend further into that? Hell no, I didn't. When you saw the early, you know, early portion of the game there, you're talking about first the squander opportunity and then the second again. Um, I think everybody needs a reminder that I believe this is still the stat. I know it was from at least a couple years ago. The most runs are scored in the first inning. Can we please at least acknowledge that on both sides of the ball your pitcher be ready i know it's you know there's a reason why that's the case but you got to be able to limit damage there you got to come out ready to go right and then offensively too that's time to go and jump and tack on guys the the opponent there um man it, it it's absolutely frustrating and then you get this game in this whole sense of where it feels like it's over before it even started and that's what really chaps my ass because then you see this slop later in the game and not that it mattered because it was already out of reach. The White Sox weren't coming back, but you got Gavin Sheets um, shuffling around in the corner with the ball, you know, granted not his fault that he's playing out there, but you see the slop there. Um, you, you see a wild throw over to first base and then you see a drop pop up and then you see Hans or Alberto. Usually, like I would say, a guy that when they brought him in, like you thought, okay, well, this guy's going to be a professional and like a you know aware of the situations at least, even if he's not a great run producer or anything like that. And what does he do? He half-ass lazy tags uh, Salvador Perez for a force out, you know, for a tag out, while the you know you got Vinny Pascantino running home, and that run just it adds on another one. Once again, that made it eight to one, so it doesn't matter in terms of that, but in terms of being locked in and looking like you give a shit and knowing that this team is still capable of playing clean baseball, um, it feels like everybody's checked out at that point. And that's what really grinds my gears. What did we hear about in Glendale, Arizona for six weeks that this team was yeah, going to be I, fundamentally sound that they were going to come ready to play you, every night. Although, you know, listen, first seven, 10 start this coming Friday. So I guess maybe you know, this Friday they'll be ready to yeah. kick somebody's ass. Right. And, and, you know, I need to give a shout. It's been a while since we gave a socks on tap shout out here, but Nick Murawski um, on Twitter, he will not let anyone forget about those quotes. He is right there with the screenshots. As soon as this kind of stuff starts spiraling out of control and the exact opposite of right of what Pedro Griffel preached, what Rakan has preached, all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, he's right there with it. So that, that's socks on tap shout out. Nick Murawski. I read those again today. And while it made me furious, it also, made me laugh a little bit. So, But that's, remember, that's where remember, Jonathan, there's not an accountability problem within the White Sox organization. Right, yeah. Certainly you, not. Yeah, you got Kenny. Dude, it's it's from all sources. You, you go straight down the line there. Obviously, we know the Jerry stuff. You go to Kenny, like you had just said, with the accountability. The Rick Hahn with the uh, – that was another one Nick posted tonight. The um, the negative fan base always seemed to – what, uh, pro- 
uh, crop, uh, hop up in the comment section yeah. and you get the attention there. Um, and then you got Griffel talking about how it's going to be, you know, we're going to play with energy. We're going to play with passion, play the game the right way. And they are playing the game like it's, you know, a throwaway um, on a backfield. And if anything, they just sound like the fucking three stooges. Yeah. I mean, let's just be real about this because everything that they have said collectively coming into this season, the entirely opposite thing has happened through this point here as they are now, what, what, what are they now? 13 and 25. Is that, yeah. is that, I mean, I know it's 12 games under, but, yeah. but, you know, Hey, Jay, you know, but had to give the shot, you know, you know, they're only six and a half back, you know, in, in the division, shut the fuck up with this already. I, if I have to hear one more fucking time about they're only six and a half back in the, in the AL Central, you're 12 fucking games under 500. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with you in that hearing, having anger about that. But Steve, I really do genuinely, if you could just explain the I mean, obviously, that speaks for itself there. Um, but in terms of catching up and what they would need to do, because I think you explained it a little bit on Twitter, but give it to our listeners here. I want everybody to hear it. OK, let's let's think about this realistically. If you think 85 wins is going to is what it will take. To get this division, it might not even take 85 wins. It might only take 82 wins. So if it's 82 wins, the Sox have to win 70 more games at this point. They have to play 20 games over 500. Does anybody in their right mind think that this team is going to play 20 games over 500 the rest of the way based off of what you've seen to this point. You can talk all you want about Boob Nightingale's article about the 2019 Washington Nationals that were 12 games under 500, got hot, and won the World Series. You know what the difference is between the 2023 White Sox and the 2019 Washington Nationals? Trey Turner, Juan Soto, uh, Steven Strasburg, who, who was healthy, Ryan Zimmerman, um, actual superstars, guys you could count on. Right. Wasn't that Strasburg's just like monster year before yeah. he was cooked for good? Yeah. 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 It's just, um, it's unbelievable. I, I, I want to put this in numbers here because you keep hearing the six and a half back. And I, I don't know the it was still going in extras by the time we jumped on this uh, podcast, but with uh, San Diego, Minnesota, what's going on there. I know people are watching that and wondering what's going on here, but I just, like I said, I just wanted to explain this and air this out here because that, that's a good point on, you know, how they have to play. And I don't think they have the capability to do that. Another comment Joseph says in here, appreciate you. Um, and then we also got um, what you had said. So if we were to get back into it, what did you say? 16 and four stretch. And then we can talk. Is that what you said? Yeah. I, seriously. Yeah. I want to get numbers out there. I want to get yeah. numbers out there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you, if you, if you get a 16 and four stretch, you know what? That'll get you to 500. I, I don't want okay. any discussion about this until they're at 500, because no matter how much people want to dress this up and want to talk about how bad the AL central is. And believe me, it's not good by any stretch of the imagination. These teams right. are all dog shit, which makes this that much more infuriating. No team has ever won a division title with a losing record. Think about that. As bad as the AL Central is, as much shit as this division has caught for the 30 years that it has been in existence, at no point has a team ever won a division title with a losing record. The closest was an 83-79 and 79 St. Louis Cardinals team in 2006. So please spare me this bullshit about, oh, oh, you might not even have to be 500 to win the division. 
fuck off with all of this. Right. All right. I just wanted to air that out because I got frustrated hearing that too. Um, but I saw your takes on it there. So I'm glad we brought it from the Twitter sphere uh, into um, our podcast here. So thank you for that, Steve. Um, I want to talk about a factor that will prevent them from even trying to get on that run to, you know, catch fire and get to that point where we can even talk about that and be concerned about games back and, you know, realistically, right. Uh, with a shot here. Okay. It was a quote that was uh, from Pedro Grafol on uh, before Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday's game. And it was this stop me. If you've heard this before, we can't continue to dig ourselves an even deeper hole. We have to make a move here soon. We've had opportunities to do that. We just have to take advantage of them. The key is to continue to play hard, get our guys healthy. And when we get them healthy, stay healthy. A, where have you heard that before? And B, difficulty challenge, you know, difficulty level, impossible, not going to happen. Get healthy, stay healthy. Those two terms never going to happen because we're the Chicago White Sox. The next time the Chicago White Sox are able to have a modicum of health with a team, you know, with this current roster composition, will be the first time since Herm Schneider left. So let's be real about this here. You know, and, and I got into some heat with some people on twatter.com a couple of days ago because I was telling people that this shit does legitimately look like it's over and there's very little reason for, for optimism right now. And then it turned into, oh, well, they're going to get Moncada back and they're going to get Liam Hendricks back and they're going to get Garrett Crochet back. Yes, because those two you know, late inning middle relievers. That's really going to move the needle a lot. And Yohan Mankata, okay, he'll come back. Guess what? He's got a protruding disc in his back, okay? I work with spinal surgeons every fucking day. I've had multiple conversations with these guys over the last two weeks here. This is not an issue that is going to go away. And it can flare up at literally any point. So he could come back, make the slightest movement, make a slide, try to avoid a tag, and that thing can flare up again. So if you are thinking that you are going to get Yohan Mankata healthy for the remainder of the season, it will be great if that happens. But to count on that, to believe that that's going to happen, I just, if you honestly think that I've got some beachfront property in Siberia, I, I would love to sell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, others on the injured list too. You got Jake Berger there. And I think, you know, that's something was minor enough where he, he will be back at some point and he'll be back and hopefully hitting at the same level that he was before. But that's also a concern. What if it takes him a little while to yeah. go and get back into the swing of things there? It, I mean, there's so much volatility involved with this and that approach that you just hear there i mean I, okay i gotta take a step back because what else is griefold gonna say he has to, he's missing key guys what do you what do you of course you're missing those guys yeah so i i don't blame him for saying it but us hearing it again as white Sox fans it, it's it goes back to the broken record the the what tony said what preseason uh he said you know this car i bought this used car from the salesman before um it's you know and i don't think i want to go back and get yeah. it again so that that's just where i'm at when i heard that quote um we, we've got another quote that i want to dive into a little bit here and it was Luis Robert prior to today's game. And it was talking about, you know, information that he digests when it comes to plate approach. And we don't need to go too, too deep on this, but the, the gist of it was um, that he checks just, che I just checked the speed of pitches that, that the pitcher has, um, you know, the pitcher that I'm facing that day, there's too much information that I don't like to look at the simpler, the better for me. Once you're at home plate, you can't be thinking of all that stuff. Um, 
and then you go out and see, you know, obviously he's been on a tear start made. So it's like, okay, well, you know, it's working right now. And then you go out and see a night like tonight and he goes oh for four with four K's and looks absolutely stupid. And is chasing sliders out of the zone. Um, hey, I hope he looks at it for the bullpen pitchers too. I mean, that might be a little bit helpful, but um, th- this just kind of screams to me. I know you're going to talk about volatility here, but this just kind of screams to me, just trying to ride the raw talent. And he's lucky that he has so much of it that he can even have these spurts, right? hundred percent. I mean, that's, the mindset of of a guy that is just used to getting by because he was the most talented player on the field pretty much his entire life until he got to the corner of 35th and shield and that's just simply not the case anymore and that mindset and that approach that he has if i just want to know the velocities uh, of of this pitcher and what pitches he throws that's why you see these wild swings across the performance spectrum from him where he'll look like one of the five best players in the sport for seven to 10 days at a time. And then you'll see a 15 game stretch where he goes five for 75, you know, because of that, because you're not taking in all of the information and and look, I'm sure there are guys out there that have that same approach and that same mindset and have been very successful throughout the course of their careers. Not everybody is different. There are plenty of people out there that suffer from information overload, not just in baseball, but in any in any facet of life. You think about any profession, information overload, it is a real thing, okay? So I'm not going to totally discount it, but I think in his case in particular, this just shows the wild swings in performance because if he's just thinking about it, okay, this guy's just got – fastball slider and this is the velocity band that that he's on why do you think we see him swinging over the top of so many sliders down and away with consistency because that's all he's focused on right while it's you know frustrating when you see the results like that like you just laid out and what we saw tonight like i said the four strikeouts and some of the wild chases that it's just not even a competitive swing there that's where it gets really frustrating there you know what though i'm i'm honestly i'm glad he said it because eight now we just know a little bit more it's not you know you have at least some insight into the thought process there so i I do at least i will say it's you know like i said i fuck i wish these guys were doing everything they possibly could to want to win a baseball game but i'm glad we know so i do appreciate the honesty there and then it also points me to the support staff and the white Sox aren't known for having great you know any of that their analytics support staff by any of that but if he was in an organization like the Rays don't you think they'd put together maybe a little diagram something for him that would be the most pertinent info and the things that okay you we don't we're going to simplify this we're going to distill it down okay you don't like hearing this and this we, we might mention it to you in the hitters meeting but then here you go here's your chart for today and you know we're here's where he's going to really try and nab you here here's what you got to look for um and then you know here's where he misses here's where you can take advantage you know in this county likes to throw this and you know just like i said distill it down to as simple as it possibly could be and you have staffers that are working with him on it to be able to put together the best plan that both works for him so he's not overloaded with information at the plate um, but then he also at least has an insight and it's not just free swinging looking like he's absolutely lost up there. That's where my mind goes. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think you look at organizations like the Rays, like the Dodgers, like the Barbs. Um, those are organizations that are consistently successful because they are able to more effectively decipher information that is available. And look, these teams all pretty much have the same data and the same information but it's how that information gets desired deciphered but then 
almost as importantly is how that information gets articulated to the players here. And what you were talking about is communication. Right, right. How is that going to be broken down to the individual and how is it going to be customized for them? Okay. If he doesn't want all of this information, okay, these are the key points that we're going to really focus on and we're really going to drive home with him and do so in a consistent, clear, concise manner. So he knows this is what I need to be focused on here. Right against this particular pitcher on this particular day. And like you, I have no confidence in the White Sox analytical support staff to be able to do that effectively. And while I did just dump on them there, and obviously there needs to be more better infrastructure there. I think we, we've all known that though. And it all goes back up to the top. And we, we've had numerous discussions, extended ones on Sunday Funday. So I don't want to get into all of that right now. But as we did that, the what when I go and look at just some other players, up and down this lineup when healthy, right? Um, but I look at a guy like Jake Berger, and you there's you know the story about the home and road splits with him and what was going on and some of the technology that you know was available to him at guaranteed rate field versus not available to him on the road. And people were wondering, is that a you know result in the splits and any of that? But what that tells me is that at least at home, <laughs> there's some resources at home because of how we operate here as White Sox. However, there are resources enough to be able to go and prop yourself up and get yourself on a hot streak. Start seeing the ball so you can crush the ball really well. And Jake Berger applied that because he was hot as hell. That stretch before he went on the IL, right? I know he came back down to earth a little bit um, right before it, but man, that was a good two weeks where he was really, really mashing the ball. And a lot of that coincided with some of those home games there. So it's not like it's absolutely impossible. I feel like that's in addition to the problems of the staff not being able to communicate it, there's also a want to problem from coming from the player's side. So I want to say the blame is not evenly split there, but there is blame to go around on both sides. That'd be my takeaway from all of this after digesting all of that information. Oh, wow. I took an information, Steve. Didn't get overloaded. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and it's funny you mentioned that because one of the things that Berger had talked about was that he was trying to get some of the other guys on the roster to utilize some of that technology, trying to, you know, get guys like Gavin Sheets to be more adaptive to what he was using, some of the tools that he was using at home. And so it's like you don't even have, you know, a, a consistent approach within the organization at home as far as okay we're going to use this or we're not going to use it this is going to be a standardized process for it i mean again you look at the successful organizations you can't tell me that the dodgers or the rays or the barbs that they don't have standardized processes in place whether you're at home whether you're on the road across that entire roster because those teams are consistently a machine and there's a reason for that. Right, man. It, all right. I think we can, what I can, you know, we got to, we got to get wrapping up here. So I think I'm going to summarize that and tie it in with the theme of our episode is that white sock infrastructure. We all knew this, but it's cooked just like we all are here. All right. Uh, moving on, uh, Steve, there is one little chaser I've got for you. Uh, we've talked a lot of negative here, but unfortunately that's where the white Sox leave us. However, down on the farm, a couple of rehab assignment outings to talk about tonight. Uh, crochet two thirds of an inning with the K and Liam Hendricks uh, closed out the game. It was not an actual save because Charlotte was up big, but uh, one inning, one strikeout there. Um, good news on that front. Um, wanted to acknowledge it because that's about the only positive bit I got for you tonight. 
Yeah, I think we're getting really close to Liam uh, getting back up to the corner of 35th and Shields here. You know, they talked about when he began the rehab assignment that he was going to need four to five appearances. So I'm almost wondering, you know, was was today's fourth? I believe I saw that he was scheduled again to throw Friday and Sunday. Okay. That's what I want to say that was from one of the beats. Okay. So because I was almost wondering if maybe they were going to set this thing up to have him come back up north for Friday when they when they return home. Right. Um, yeah. Um, that'd be cool. I, I think I would guess the Cleveland series after that might be if that is another, you know, um, if that is indeed true, um, once again, that was just a in passing scroll that I saw the big, uh, if, big news of true. Yeah, right, right. You know, I, I was just trying to scramble to get ready for the show. Um, but I, I believe I did see that from either Merkin or uh, DVS uh, on the old Twitter machine. So, um, I mean, like it's going to it's going to be an unbelievable night when Liam does eventually come back. Um, I can't wait for that. Um, it, it'll be a nice positive for us, yeah. like I said, because this is, you know, we, we get down to the end of this episode. This is quite literally the only positives I have for you. It's sad that we're here, but that's so White Sox. Yeah, and then you look at Garrett Crochet. Um, he's thrown the ball really well so far in Birmingham and then now up in Charlotte. And he looks like he's really beefed up here um, during the course of his rehab assignment. So, you know, whatever kind of performance enhancers that he happens to be on, um, you know, if he would like to take down my information for a friend, of course. Not for me. I right, certainly, yeah. I, I know that over here at ONTAP Sports that we have a very strict, thorough substance abuse testing program here. And I would never, ever use any kind of performance enhancers. Um, no, never. So, like I said, specifically just for a friend. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, let's move on. Uh, last bit for today um, is Thursday preview series finale. Uh, hoping to split with the Royals. That's already a failure, um, especially since this was, right, the, the white part of the schedule here with Cincinnati yeah. and Kansas City here. Yeah. All right, we're going for a split, though. It's Mike Clevenger on the mound. Uh, it's Brady Singer. Brady Singer has had his struggles as well. Um, what are we looking for? Series finale here. Go out there and work some good at-bats like you did the first couple of innings here today. Brady Singer's had a couple of starts against the Sox where he's really mowed them down a little bit, but go out there and actually be selective, work a good quality, consistent plate approach. And Mike Clevenger, you got to throw strikes. Um, Go after this Kansas city Royals lineup. You got a couple of guys in there that you really need to just be mindful of. Obviously Bobby Witt jr. And his speed at the top of the lineup, Uh, Sal Perez, if you don't throw him any cock shots, you know, right down the heart of the plate here, you should be okay. He's going to swing at pretty much everything. He would fit in really well with the White Sox. Hmm. Uh, and then um, MJ Melendez is a guy that hits the ball hard consistently. And uh, Vinny Pasquatino, you know, you look outside of those four guys right there, there's not a whole lot of pop in this lineup. So go out there, work ahead consistently. You got to get strike one with consistency and give yourself a chance. Right. Yeah. Um, and you said, you know, this is what I'd like to take advantage of. You, you, you fucked up your chance tonight um, with Brad Keller, but Brady Singer, if I'm reading that correctly, he's got an eight, eight, two ERA. Um, it's not the same sort of level of Brady Singer that has shut us down uh, in the past. Okay. Um, it's time to take advantage. Let's go out there and have, fucking set a tone for once. Come on. The game starts in the first inning. So get your mind ready half an hour before, like ready to attack it. Like it's first inning and then unload. Okay. Cause you obviously saw uh, went bitching the ass today. And also Mike Clevenger will pitch better with the run support. I fucking guarantee it. 
I absolutely guarantee it because this guy is going to walk some guys. It's going to happen because he's trying to paint, get cute. And if the, you know, whatever the breaking stuff isn't as tight as he possibly wants it or whatever, um, he's going to be overextending and there could be some issues with guys crowding up on the bases for Kansas city. So if one of those hits breaks through, if you already got four on the board, then Hey, you give up two runs at one point in inning and you're able to get out of it. You can still work through it, but you got to show up from the very fucking start. That's, that's my, my rally call for them. Be ready to go at 110. I know it's not 710 Pedro, but be ready to go kick some ass out there because you do got a 710 when we come back home against the Astros. So prepare for it like that. That's what I've got. Pick the click and then we'll get out of here. I'm going to go with whoever starts at second base tomorrow. So whether that's Lenin Sosa, Elvis Andrus, whoever it is, whoever's at the Keystone, that's my pick to click. All right. Um, I am going to go with, oh, man. I'll go with Andrew Vaughn. Uh, yeah. Uh, no reason. Just going with him. So, all right. That's about it for the show. We hope you enjoyed the vent session here. Um, a lot of these lately. I, I guess on on the YouTube comments here, we got a yeah, pick to click the other team. We we got YouTube comments like this um, coming in here. Go and voice your concerns. Like you said, we want it to be an airing of grievances. Every day is uh, December twenty third here in the socks on tap comment section. So to do that, go subscribe on YouTube on tap Sportsnet. Uh, hit the little alert button so you know when we go live, uh, and you can share um, your angst with us in here. Um, and then go and follow us on social media at socks on tap and at on tap Sportsnet, and check out the website on tapsportsnet.com where we muse about these white Sox and other chicago sports happenings from time to time all right steve that's about all i've got let's go out and fucking just salvage one be ready to go set the tone come back home with a win and for better or for worse we'll probably i'll be back out at the ballpark sooner rather than later so that's all i've got indeed my friend yeah it, the the flight home will be a lot better a lot more enjoyable if you can find a way to um salvage this last one tomorrow <laughs> suck if you if this oh, podcast God. listener here we, we got our guy matt in the comments he says at sucks on tap have not heard that one before that's actually original i love it i think that's a good way to close it down because we are cooked for the night until next time white Sox forever white Sox for life